Behind every interesting person is a great story. This is Person of Interest with Natalie Jones. All right, week three of Person of Interest with Natalie Jones. I'm Natalie Jones. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super excited about this dope-ass queen we got this week. Her name is Kara Tucker. Now, she's a girl that I just met in passing at a work function, and I saw her and immediately wanted to know her story more about her. And the more that I learned, the more I thought... Everybody else needs to know about this. She's obsessed with cemeteries and with gravestones. And as much as I never thought I'd be that interested in it, she makes it sound so interesting and you just want to know more. She is the coolest chick. Please enjoy this. She's incredibly intelligent. And you can find her on Instagram at, at Kara. That's just at K-A-I-R-A. Because I want to know like why you like going to cemeteries so much. And I'm capable of talking about cemeteries forever. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm very thankful to everybody who goes with me and and endures my, like, excited squeals of delight when I'm like, it's a zinky or something absurd like that. Or I love getting um, people will send me messages of, Look, 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 Kara, I'm in a cemetery. Look look at me. How great is that? That's so sweet, yeah. No, because I do think that, like, the more people or just the people in general, it's, like, cemeteries are, to me, space that is wasted that that can be a space i'm not trying to make this some big stance you know but like, oh no not at all yeah but like but it seems like there's nobody ever there they're all like well kept and i'm like what is going on how come nobody ever goes and it should be opened up to the public and shouldn't be something that people are apprehensive about and i think it's a reflection of how on society how we deal with death and that in general oh sure and especially like the elderly and just death and dying people are afraid of anything that's morbid especially well well, certain times of the year, they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so funny because, uh, you know, it's October. Everybody lets the, you know, they can touch the dark side. Yeah. But the rest of the year, oh, no, no. Yeah, oh, it up. No, no, I don't ever think about anything like that. <laughs> so, no, it's okay. Embrace them. It's really cool going to cemeteries all throughout the year, too, because different flowers bloom. You see different, maybe even animals out. Um, or sometimes you can see a headstone you wouldn't have been able to because there's a shrub in front of it that would have leaves on it otherwise. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that people give themselves permission to to maybe be a little morbid only at certain parts of the year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Um, it doesn't make any sense. I guess it's also, like, sad. I think about, like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's sad. Yeah, <laughs> some, let's not waste just, the green spaces. Let's go enjoy them. To some people, yeah, exactly. Like, I guess what it's not sad to everyone, but, like, I don't know, we need to go and visit, you know, people. But it won't be sad forever. I feel like that's something we just all need to face. Oh, absolutely. And I think things are changing with that all the time, so... Oh, good. I think it's just a big kind of shift in maybe how people think or approach their lives or. Well, I met you and instantly wanted to be your friend. And you seem like one of the one of the most interesting people I've ever met and just immediately was like, I want to know everything about this person. Not to creep you out too much. Will you be my Stuart Smalley and tell me that in the morning in the mirror every day? Yes. yes I'm smart and people like me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I need... Follow me around and just throw affirmations at me. <laughs> this is what I tell myself when I'm feeling, because affirmation moments happen to everyone every day. I'm a bad bitch. Don't forget, I'm a bad bitch. And I have this um, this music, I have this playlist Oh that yeah, I, that I titled, Because I'm a Bad Bitch, and I listen to it whenever I'm like, yes, you are Beyonce, you can do this. Life is working in your favor. All playlists for all things, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kara, will you please tell, what do you do? 
Well, um, as a profession or for fun or when I'm asleep uh, or okay. who knows. So I met you in a, you are on the board of which cemetery? Historic Linden Grove Cemetery and Arboretum. Gotcha. And so what? It, so this is a cemetery in Covington, Kentucky that hosts events. We do. Uh, we host uh, things like uh, we've done a, a farmer's market. We've done, of course, like tours and things like that, too. And yeah. the big one where we met was Cinema in the Cemetery, which yeah. has been going on for a few years now. Uh, lots of people watching uh, Hocus Pocus is the big draw yeah. on blankets and uh, bringing in what I love to watch are people carting in on the little uh, radio flyer uh, wheelbarrows, mm-hmm. uh, multiple $5 pizzas. Yes. So, <laughs> and, and of course, we provide lots of places to put your trash, many receptacles. So that's very nice. Yeah, it's cool. It's a really fun thing. So you're on the, so you're on the board of this cemetery. I am, yes. Because you're fascinated with, what was it called, death lore and... To how, an extent. How would you describe it? Um, I, well, there's a number of things you can call us. You can call us taffophiles. A which taffophile. Are people, what is a taffophile? Someone who is just absolutely enamored with headstones. Mm-hmm. Or you can call us tombstone tourists. Okay. Uh, gravers. Um, there's a lot of different synonyms for it. I, I will respond to many things, and those are a few of them. <laughs> have you always been into tombstones? I have a picture on my phone I have a couple of them. It's in my favorites. And it's a photograph of me. And I'm about, I think I'm about eight years old. And I'm mm-hmm. holding a painting that I've just painted in my small town cemetery with my mom. And she would take me to those kinds of places. And we'd visit family or we'd paint a picture. So it's been part of my whole um, my whole life, really. It's just they're beautiful places. And when you don't have a park in your small town, and yeah. that's the grass where you're allowed to go and do a thing of any kind like that. Yeah. That's so what the cemetery you- was your park. Exactly. Yep. There aren't there aren't any parks in my hometown. So, do you mind if I ask where you're from? Um, I'm from actual Kentucky, as opposed to northern Kentucky. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, dead centered between Louisville and Owensboro. There are no interstates. Um, rumor has it they're getting a stoplight. Oh, yeah. I know. It's like a railroad tra- a railroad town from the 1880s. About a thousand people. Yeah. Um, not not a lot to do. You know what's crazy is um, what I found is. In my adult life, I've chosen to live in two towns very similar to the one you're describing. Oh. Um, neither of them have any stoplights, a couple stop signs. Um, one is um, 1,000 people. Another one is 2,500. And I, as an adult, moved to these places, and I absolutely loved it. I was going to say blink twice if you were held against your will because— right? No, I loved it. <laughs> no, I, I, even though I was from there and my family's lived there for a very long time as far as genealogy goes, because I do that too— mm-hmm. um, yeah, they could just smell the weird on me. It wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like you are made for a lot of you um, are attracted to culture and you thrive off it, it seems. That's a beautiful way to put it. Yes. That's a nice way to say weirdo. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like people who are from those areas want to leave and people who aren't are attracted to them. So you found a love of the cemetery and tombstones in this place and also genealogy. Yeah. um, Well, I went to uh, school a few times. I actually moved to the area to go to college and pivoted a few times and changed my mind a few times. But I ended up getting um, a couple of history degrees. And one of them is in public history. And I started working at a library in the genealogy department. And that was already something, again, that my mother had been into. Yeah. And my family isn't so interesting to dig dig I probably shouldn't say that talking about cemeteries (laughs) right exactly Um, but I really love helping other people like you know uncover mysteries and like find the 
find the dark stuff's kind of fun, especially because you want rascals in your family because they're the ones that leave the good records. Oh my gosh! So, like, yeah. what kind of stuff do you find? Um, you know, the newspapers. I and mean, newspapers have always been the same. They want to yeah. they want to sell you a paper. Yeah. So they cover the juicy stuff. Yeah. So you have a person in your family, and you're curious about them, and I go, oh, let's see what the newspaper has to say about this person. Oh wow, they were a horse thief, and oh look, they had oh they went to jail for. Oh, some card playing, <laughs> dice in the alley. And it just, I don't know, it colors in the, a tree that would otherwise just be names and dates. So I, yeah. I love helping people find those things because sometimes they've heard a little something over the years or they hadn't heard anything and they get really excited. So, so people can come to you and you're also a librarian. I am. Yeah, exactly. So I, I first was into public history, started at a library, and eventually became also a librarian. So I have extra master's degree debt times nice. two. <laughs> Money well spent. Absolutely. <laughs> something, something ROI. We'll see. I don't know. It's good. I was saying college, like, I learned how to spend money in college. That's really what I got good at doing. I love sure. the the quote from um, Reality Bites. The only thing they learned in college was their social security numbers. Yeah. But I guess I got a couple other things. <laughs> I can find I can find dead people's social security numbers on Ancestry. Yes. Okay, so, but all of this stuff is really related. So, it, it obviously, is. you're a history buff. So, if yeah. someone comes to you and says, I have this tombstone of my great-grandfather, can you look him up? Oh, yeah. A lot of times people are trying to find where people are planted uh, or they're trying oh. to understand what a headstone says or what the iconography means. That's where I get really excited. Okay. It's kind of like uh, if you've heard of the language of flowers, like people used to send different colored roses to mean different things. Uh, tombstones talk to you the same way. So if you know what a particular flower means or a, a particular animal, you can glean a little bit of something about the person. Kind of like how the newspaper might say that, you know, you're... Uh, your great 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 uncle was, you know, a horse thief, but oh look, his wife has this beautiful type of flower or a symbol on it, which meant that maybe she was involved in a particular organization, or it just said something about her too. It's just there are ways to read things uh, to find out just more about who these people were, because yeah. we can't go talk to them. My Ouija board doesn't work that way. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've seen on a tombstone? Um, let me. Oh, oh, my one of my very favorites. I love um, folk art. So mm -hmm. art is created by people who that isn't their profession. Mm -hmm. They just created something because it meant something to them or they loved it. There's a cemetery in Louisville that it's not, um, in the past we would have called them like a pauper cemetery or something like that, but they are, it's not as maintained as strictly as some other ones are. So a lot of the headstones and things are homemade and they're handmade. Wow. And my very favorite was this a concrete headstone. It was shaped just like you'd see a typical headstone, kind of rounded at the top. And someone had lovingly carved in a picture of a dolphin mm -hmm. with clouds. Whoa. Yeah, and it's it's wonderfully crude and like hand-drawn, but it's it carved. But the person who did that for their deceased relative or friend or what have you, evidently that they knew that meant something really important to them. Uh-huh. And I've never seen a dolphin on any other headstone <laughs> at any point. So the dolphin really made my day. I think that was um, January or January, July 4th of 2017 when the first year I did the uh, 100 cemeteries uh, in a year project. So so what is the 100 cemeteries in a year project? I try to visit 100 cemeteries I've never been to every year. Mm -hmm. And I've done that for the past few. Yeah. And in 2020, I'm trying to do... 202.2. Ah. So, upping the ante a little bit. Where are these um, cemeteries that you're going to? How far do you travel? Well, if I'm going to be in any particular place, one of the first things I do is jump on Google 
maps or I go to find a grave and look and see, okay, what are the, what's going to be the best bang for my buck or what's the oldest or uh, who, who interesting is buried there. Or sometimes I just plan a little trip. I like to uh, just pick a road or a couple of roads in rural Kentucky and go for a drive and do an out and back. And I, I plan it with maps and other stuff too. And it kind of also became a way for me to know where things were because I was helping all of these folks at the library go find their relatives. And they'd say, oh, you know, it's an XYZ cemetery. And I think, oh, no, I don't know where that is. I don't have anyone buried here. So I hadn't been to those places just because I didn't grow up in the area. I don't have people. And I thought, I keep sending these sweet little old ladies <laughs> off to who knows where, down the road. I don't know where that is. And I thought, well, maybe I should go and just take a peek and see what's going on. And I did 31 cemeteries in 31 days in October of 2016. And then I thought in January of 2017, well, why don't I just, why don't I just go to more? Let's do 100. Why not? Yeah. And so when you go to the, when you go to cemeteries, what is the first thing you do? I like to look for, there's a particular kind of stone, especially in this general area. They're typically from pre-Civil War era. I can tell usually by color if I'm about to walk up to one or by their shape. And the ones that were generally created before the Civil War in the area, if they were kind of fancy, are made out of this uh, really, this is going to get really kind of boring, except for the, those of other people in the world who also had a rock collection growing up. Um, <laughs> it's this silt stone. It's a sandstone. So it's made out of these really tiny grains. Yeah. And it's the Buena Vista Freestone, which they uh, quarried like 50 miles upriver from where we are in Cincinnati. And what's really cool about that is because the little particles are so small, yeah. the people who carved those, every little detail is still perfect as wow. if it was carved yesterday. No, that's really cool. And how old are these things? Um, uh, <clears throat> math. Uh, I don't know, 160 years plus old sometimes. Wow. Yeah, and it's neat stuff, too, because the Roebling Suspension Bridge was carved out of it. You, they don't church. make stuff like they used to. Exactly. Dang. It's great stone. So I love seeing those that are way older that you can read better yeah. that will have kind of cool, like, sometimes... Uh, uh, fraternal organizations like Odd Fellows and Masons and stuff. Mm -hmm. They love that crazy esoteric imagery that are like weird eyeballs floating yes. in the space and yeah. or or nice things like lambs and willow trees, which are really typical of the time. But I love finding those because you can also sometimes find the actual artist's name carved into the bottom of the headstone and then you know not only any information on the person's epitaph about the stone is or the person, yeah. you might even know who carved it. Wait, so gravestone art, is that, that that's a thing? Has that always been a thing, and does that, that still exist? People who carve them by hand? Yeah, or like an artist who did art. I mean, does that still, I, I, I mean, to me, I know nothing about this. I picture someone putting it in like a laser Yeah, that's thing, much more typical of modern. And, that, and that's what happens, right? So that wasn't mm -hmm. always the case. No, no, definitely not. Um, my, I don't know quite as much about the the older cemeteries on like the eastern seaboard obviously mm -hmm. you're looking at how people came to america and eventually moved inland as far as um the people who immigrated around that time go uh but you had to have individuals who were capable of carving stones and you have to be able to quarry a stone so mm -hmm. early on you have uh, if you just mark a, a grave with just a, t a simple rock with maybe some initials it's called a field stone okay. or they would make you know a wooden cross you know very typical kinds of things we think of but as um, towns got bigger or you could ship a headstone down the river 
and you had more and more talented craftspeople carving stones, yeah. you end up with, it's neat when I find a headstone carved by someone in Cincinnati as far away as, well, it's not super far, but Flemingsburg, Kentucky, for instance. Mm-hmm. By car, you're going to be driving for an hour and a half or so. But a long time ago, 1840s, I think the headstone was from, and it was really cool because it said the cause of death, which was cholera, which was killing a lot Whoa, of people at the yeah. time. Um, like, oh, cool, this guy got a headstone all the way from Cincinnati. That's really neat. And I know there's evidence of them as far away uh, that I've seen documented in Mississippi in a little town that's right along the Mississippi River. So you have people in the 1840s buying headstones from Cincinnati. They're being shipped down the Ohio River, down the Mississippi, and they're in other places. And I think that's so cool. That is so cool. I mean, it goes to show so much love and attention was given to the afterlife and to death a hundred years ago or a long time ago. It seems like now we're scared of it and we don't put any money or time into it. I think a lot of people I know buy their own headstones before they die and all of their funeral stuff so that nobody else has to deal with it or think about it. Right. Then you get to pick what you want. So that's kind of nice. I guess it's true. My mom and I do like already know what we're going to wear to her funeral. Right. Like you're not putting me in that outfit or uh, you're not putting what's left of me in that ugly box. Right. (laughs) But do you think then, like, as you've seen, how how have cemeteries changed over the years and, like, in your research that you've done in, in death and tombstone science? Well, it's definitely <laughs> – so when I go to cemeteries, I now have a kind of a new rule for myself. I don't mm-hmm. – it's just going to sound kind of mean, but I, I love the aesthetics of historic cemeteries, especially because more modern ones, especially memorial parks, I don't go to anymore. Mm-hmm. So early on you have, you know – you're buried on the farm, you're out on the acreage somewhere, yeah. or you're maybe buried next to the church you attended or what have you. And then over time, people moved or lived in cities. You had you know cities who would lay out their cemeteries and sometimes have to move them. Most of the ones that were in downtown Cincinnati were moved. Yeah. And then there was a little bit later, Victorian era, the park cemetery movement, because they wanted people to be able to go to these places where their loved ones were and have a picnic and spend the afternoon, enjoy a wonderful Sunday. Some places even um, gave out tickets. They were so busy. Wow, to so, the cemetery. Yeah, yeah. They're wow, really neat. great. I know. I know. We don't even think about things like that. And once you hit, you know, the 20th century, um, especially the post-war era, you start to see kind of a change in how people wanted to use those spaces. And I blame lawnmowers because park cemeteries by that time weren't really popular. People maybe had changing views of death. There's a definitely because of the like there's a lot of stuff with I don't and I don't know a lot about it because I know a couple of people who do know a ton, but things sort of changed just with you have people going to uh, funeral homes more and they're not doing the, the whole part the whole piece of life of death in their homes now. And cemeteries became memorial parks with flat markers. So when you you see one now you see like a weird bunch of empty space with the fake flowers just kind of sticking up all over the place yeah there's no there aren't you know headstones there aren't sculptures there aren't you know there's no landscaping it's just a big weird open field why did that start i think it's because of the people not wanting to think about it as much it's also expensive headstones are expensive most people don't have Uh them there's a cost factor but it's easier to maintain when you have a bunch of flat lawn markers. You can ride the lawnmower 
right over the top. Oh my gosh, do you really think that's why? I I know for a fact that it had an impact oh on my, things. Well, I guess that makes sense, but it's so sad. Right, and a lot of times the type of grasses or landscaping that were used were switched over to um, just your standard kind of grass that they think is easier to like water and maintain. Um, some cemeteries even had people come and remove uh, fencing and stonework from around the edges of family plots just because who wants to get in there with a hedge trimmer? And if they weren't maintaining shrubbery and flowers and that kind of thing, which of course also has an expense to it. Um, mm. I, yeah, I I blame the lawnmower, Dang. which sounds absolutely absurd, but yeah. No, it doesn't. This is, that's the evolution of, I mean, that's I didn't know that until now. I didn't think about that at all. Because there are so many different kinds of headstones. And obviously, mm-hmm. um, like, I, I never thought about, well, I mean, I guess I did. I'm always curious of why they're all so different. And I didn't know that there was, like, I, I guess I never really thought about why. Oh, yeah, you know there's I mean? different names for the shapes. I think some are just for, you know, aesthetic reasons. I like the pointy one or the one that's the OG shape. And yeah. how much money you have is an indicator of how oh, big yeah. your headstone is. And um, I'm I'm always on the lookout for, um, are you familiar with what an obelisk is? They, no. Do you, you know what the Washington Monument looks like? The, yes. the big pointy thing? Oh, yeah. Okay, very typical monuments mm-hmm. as far as kind of bigger monuments go. I love to find, because I don't find them often and I can't think of a situation where I have, um, sometimes it's a whole family's monument. They've got names all over the sides of something that looks like the Washington Monument. Or it's just, you know, an, an individual person. It's usually a, a man. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a woman, though, by herself <laughs> with an obelisk. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Everyone is everyone has something different to prove and wants to be remembered <laughs> for all their own things. In yeah, life and separate things. It just seemed interesting to me. But you know what? As I have noticed, um, so my mom loves cemeteries as well. Awesome. And we lived. We we have a huge family, and we have actually my uncle's farm. It has a mini cemetery on it. Oh, and awesome! That's so cool. He also is really into genealogy, and him and my mom are are really into it. And um. And she used to live across the street from a cemetery where where two of her brothers and her sister and her parents are uh, so all of her family is buried there. So sure, she yeah. To the cemetery all the time, and I would go there and take her and notice that all of the really big ones were all men. Sure, all men, all mostly, which it doesn't, which is not surprising, just for the sheer fact of you know places and households and what was happening. You know, who has who has the dollars? Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. you know? So can you tell me? So what kind of like. There was a certain period of time where so many headstones were white marble, I believe. Yes. And you can't read any of them anymore. Not in our climate. It's too humid. There's too much, like, water in the air. It rains. Um, of course, pollution can be a factor. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a marble headstone, and they were really popular in the Victorian era, and mm-hmm. they were very ornate and lovely. Unfortunately, a lot of ours are very squishy, mm-hmm. and you can't read them, unlike you can read the the sandstone ones that are 50 years older. Yeah. If you took that same headstone and you stuck it in a more arid climate, if you put it in Arizona or, you know, a place like that, today you'll still be able to read it just by virtue of the way the climate works. And I know that's a, that's a very simple way of explaining it. I'm not a rock scientist, even though mm-hmm. I like to go look at them and touch them. Um, but yeah, it's a totally different story when it comes to how they react. It, it's my favorite way of explaining it is we, we all watch, you know, home improvement shows and uh-huh. like oh, okay we have to choose the granite countertop 
you cannot put the marble countertop in the kitchen because the lemon juice will destroy it. So it's kind of the same thing because it's a super soft stone. But it was very pretty and and people Mm -hmm. liked it because it it was expensive and it showed, you know, how much money you had. And there was um, another alternative around that same time that marble was really popular. Uh, It was something called white bronze, Mm -hmm. which is actually um, metal. It's zinc. And there was this company in Connecticut that started creating these um, metal monuments, all of different kinds. They would print catalogs and you could order them by mail. You could put all these different images on it. You could put tons of different sayings. They went all the way from being maybe a foot high to enormous. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, ours are cheaper than the stone ones. And look how cool and new and fancy this new technology is. Isn't it awesome? It's white bronze, and it was really just a zinc marketing tool. <laughs> but it's funny because those headstones kind of is visually have outlasted the marble ones, though they have some issues, too, sometimes with um, cracking or metal being the way it is yeah. in weather, too. But the cheaper alternative turned out to be a little more... Um, I know. Fast and true. Exactly. That doesn't always happen. I love when it happens. It's right. like the underdog story, which yeah. is classically what like, I always adhere to. They're really cool. They're easy to find, too, because they have this kind of bluish tone to them. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing when I'm walking into a cemetery. I'm like, all right, where are the Zinkies, as they are called? So, yeah, those nice. are fun to find. So you are married. I am. Is your husband as into this stuff as you are? No, but he's very kind to indulge me. Um, okay. He goes with me once in a while. Um I made him go to uh, cemeteries even on our honeymoon. And <laughs> okay, so, tell me that story. Um, we went, uh, we did a, a road trip. So we drove um, from Cincinnati mm-hmm. to Marblehead, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. We stopped in Centralia, Pennsylvania, where there's been an underground mine fire burning for like the past 50 years. Whoa. Oh, I know. I could go on about Wait, that what? ad nauseum. So Centralia, Pennsylvania is in kind of the eastern part of the state mm-hmm. where they mined anthracite coal. Mm-hmm. Really hard coal burns for a really long time. And it was a bustling little town. It had been a mining town, doing really well. Uh, the trouble is, I think this is in the late 60s, if I'm not mistaken, every Memorial Day, they would burn the trash in the town dump. Different times, different times. Mm-hmm. So they're burning the trash, and a an exposed seam of coal caught fire. Mm-hmm. And they thought, oh, it's Memorial Day weekend. We can't really, there's not enough people. We'll worry about it later. Uh, yeah, it's still burning today, and as a result, they started having issues where the ground cracked open and almost swallowed this kid up one time. Wow. They had to put monitors in everyone's house to monitor the, um, I'm not sure if it was carbon monoxide or whatever the off-gases were, and eventually the the uh, the state forced everyone to leave. But you can still go to Centralia today. There's, I think, maybe two or three people living there, and there are two skinny little houses that used to be part of a row house, and they're kind of supported on the side with bricks and you can drive through the streets and see the stop signs it's very eerie and very cool that sounds super cool it was so we stopped there and i went to um uh it was a greek orthodox cemetery which was neat because we don't have those here yeah different iconography just slightly different just ways things look again it's the uh the images that are used on headstones that mean sometimes they're religious sometimes they're personal that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we went there. We went to the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia. There's a wall of skulls. Who doesn't love that? <laughs> and then finally, when we got to Marblehead, uh, which is north of Boston, they have cemeteries from the 1600s. And those are the Puritan cemeteries who have the most metal of all the cemeteries, despite being so straight-laced. So pure, huh? I know, right? They have skulls on them. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'm surrounded by skulls. This is amazing. And (laughs) it was beautiful. And you're walking around this town going, this looks like a movie set. And we were in, it's called Old Burial Hill. And that's, I think that might be my Valhalla. 
it was incredibly beautiful. And again, I kept thinking, this looks like a movie set. I can't believe how beautiful this is. That's because it was a movie set. Yeah. It's literally in Hocus Pocus. Oh. It's it's actually the scene where they steal the kids' sneakers. Oh, my God. I know that scene. Yes, that is Old Burial Hill. Oh, my God. In my mind, I'm like, that scene from The Patriot? Like, I'm thinking this war movie. No, Hocus Pocus. Yeah, no. It. I was reading about it later because I, I tend to go to the places and then do a little homework afterward because yeah. I like the the fresh experience of sometimes not knowing a whole lot yeah. and then getting a feel for it and going, okay, well, Let's learn more about this thing or that thing. But yeah, yeah, it, it was in the movie. That's why. It looked oh, like a, super yeah. cool. Well, so, I mean, is he as comfortable? With, you seem like you're very comfortable with death all the time. It's um, a nice reminder to carpe that diem. Yeah, it's very true. You, so when did that start? When you were a kid, was your mother worried about you? <laughs> you know? Like, how early did they start sending me to therapy? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> She's obsessed with death and the most, and the purest, like you are such a joyous woman. You are just you. so full of joy in life. And you're like, death is just great. And like, I, do, that's not how my brain works. I can see that your mom would be a little, a little worried about you when you were a kid. Luckily, she had the habit of going to cemeteries herself. Mm-hmm. So may, maybe she should have been more concerned about both of us. I yeah. don't know. But uh, my husband, uh, he didn't really understand. And even in, in that trip, he was getting kind of emotional about being in that kind of space. And being in cemeteries doesn't necessarily think about my fragile mortality. Yeah. I'm excited about how beautiful they are and the art and the history and the experience of being in a new and different place. And, there, it, you know, it definitely opens the the door for meditations on that kind of thing, too. Yeah. But it's not always the first thing in my head of, oh, wow, I'm sad, I guess. Yeah. I, I'm just I get really excited. And when I explain, you know, these are this is how it actually makes me feel and the experience that I have that I go see places that I I never would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. I learn things I definitely would never have looked into before that um, it makes me happy. And I appreciate that he understands that it makes me happy and goes along with me sometimes. Yeah. So you like the freshness of the death in the cemeteries. <laughs> No, but I think it's beautiful. It's like, it's your passion. So where do you, um, like, where do you go? Do you have, like, a favorite around Cincinnati? I I love Linden Grove. And not just because I'm a board member. I uh, was able to have the opportunity to give tours there a couple times Mm -hmm. in my former library. And it's open later during the uh, summer months from May until the end of September, I believe. And I love to get off from work, drive across the bridge, go straight to Linden Grove, take off my shoes, sit at one of the picnic tables and read a book or yeah. just enjoy the space because it, it's funny when it's really hot in the summer, it's so much cooler there because it's the biggest green space in the city for yeah. Covington. And it's just, it's great seeing other people walk through and just to be part of the community that way. There's some headstones that I just, I really love because I researched the people really closely and mm-hmm. they fascinated me. I, I for years, there's one family that's buried there that had this incredible story of people who ended up joining the circus and murder, a couple of murders and mayhem and all this debauchery. And I've gone as far away as uh, Kalamazoo to do some research on that family because they were rascals. And like I said, rascals leave records. <laughs> so it's it's a really happy place for me. I love Linden Grove. That's awesome. It's cool to think that people lived, I feel like in Cincinnati and, and like in life in general, we all get so... Um, tight in our bubble and that becomes our whole world and you forget that there are like how many people hundreds of thousands of people who live in this area alone and all of the history that every person of that has oh yeah and as an outsider I've had to learn uh, I didn't even know that there was like a whole like 
which side are you from thing in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, that was kind of a new thing for me. But it's been helpful to even learn, like I was saying with sending the poor little ladies off into the sunset, mm-hmm. I now know a lot more about Cincinnati neighborhood, like geography and history, because I've gone, well, um, there's some cemeteries in Green Township I've never been to. Let's go. Yeah. Or I might not have gone. Or there was a really uh, incredible one I went to in Montgomery that has those exciting pre-1850s headstones with great carvings of these crazy looking birds and other just different animals that you just don't see everywhere because the the cemeteries that were in downtown Cincinnati back then, they're all gone. They moved everybody. So, and those have been in the same place, presumably since those pioneers have been there. So I get to see places that, like I said, I don't always have business in every part of the city. So it just gets you out of the bubble. I love that. So what is the craziest or... Hmm. The most obscure thing you've seen happen in a cemetery? Oh, that's a really good question. A lot of the time I'm there, I don't really see other people, <laughs> which I think is such a shame. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds sad. Yeah, because there, there, there are parks when your neighborhood doesn't have a park. Yeah. They're just wonderful places to visit. Um, I mean, I do see the occasional, you know, speed walker or... Um, once in a while, someone visiting someone, I, I don't often see that. And honestly, in the literally hundreds of cemeteries I've been to, I've only had to go, oh, oops, not right now, because they were in the middle of a ceremony. And like, OK, I'm, I'm not going to go oh, to this wow. one today. Um, but are there, are there rules in the cemetery? You don't walk on somebody's grave? Um, no, because you wouldn't. <laughs> you won't be able to go anywhere. Exactly. And, and the thing is with cemeteries, a lot of the time, especially older ones, the number of headstones does not equal the number of people who are buried there. Yeah. Not everyone can afford one, and most of the time, you've got a lot more burials than you have headstones. So you can walk on the green space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I was taught growing up that you weren't allowed, that cemeteries were kind of unpenetrable because you weren't allowed to walk on somebody's grave, and it was disrespectful, and so you couldn't, you would just walk on the road anyway. Well, I guess that could be a personal choice, but I'm, I'm not too worried about um, the person down there feeling disrespected I guess yeah what do you think I mean I think that's wonderful to know and just don't refreshing just don't climb on the headstones or do anything you wouldn't do to like your mother's nice couch with the plastic on it in the parlor so yeah okay good because I mean I mean I because you bring up a really great point that cemeteries are typically well-kept lawns Mm -hmm. and they're great green spaces and quiet and a great place to go to and relax oh yeah and if you have mem- family members there to visit them, mm-hmm. to say hello. And I never feel alone in a cemetery. You know? I, I don't think I do either. Yeah. I never really thought about that. I visit a lot of them by myself, but, and there's, you know, usually some deer or a chipmunk roaming around too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't feel like they're lonely places at all. I, I really like the saying that they're cities of the dead. Yeah. Do you celebrate the Day of the Dead? I got married on the Day of the Dead. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can I play to my own brand any harder? I don't think so. Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. So what is your favorite? What's your favorite movie? Oh, my gosh. Um, Other than Coco. I've not seen that. Okay. I think that you would actually really like it okay. as it is America, you know, and Disney. But it actually is very respectful and does it so, and does... The Day of the Dead very, very well. Okay, that's very nice. I think that you would really like it. I, I maybe I will put that on the to-do list. Yeah. I'm very trepidatious when it comes to Disney, so <laughs> I know I'm in the minority with that. Oh, no, I understand. So where did you get married? It was at the Leaping Lizard in Covington. Okay, It good. used to be a, a Methodist church, and now it's an event space, and it's all kinds of crazy eclectic colors, and 
it's just I love a, that space. I used to yeah. do comedy there, stand up ten years ago. Oh wow, maybe longer than that. That's yeah, awesome. What year are we in? Yeah, and it was about ten years ago. Anyway, yeah, it was yeah, great. The building has served many purposes. It's really cool. Okay, gotcha. So it wasn't in a cemetery. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. I, yeah. It is funny though seeing um you do well, especially if you go to Spring Grove or some of the bigger, more well known ones. Mm-hmm. You see brides and grooms wandering through yeah, on a my Sunday. Got married at Spring Grove Cemetery. That's amazing. But yeah. then I also think to myself because I can be kind of cynical, like yeah, when was the last time you were here, huh? It's true. (laughs) (laughs) When I had to do a project in school at Spring Grove Cemetery. Because Spring Grove is actually great. So all of the... All of the um, trees are labeled. Oh yeah, the the ar- you can arboretum learn. element. Yeah, yes, yeah, so you you can. It's a nature center as well. So exactly, like the nature aspect of it is really really great. And when I was a kid, I someone I remember we would go there um, as field trips. That's so cool. And learn about them. And I remember in the somebody fell in the pond one time when we were oh, like no. in the second grade, and she had a cast on already. Poor girl, she like slept in the mud. Anyway, and the swans was, didn't destroy her. No, because it, it was raining, so there weren't any <laughs> swans around. But I remember there was a while where like Spring Grove was like a, a part of my life. You know? Oh sure. Yeah. I, it's a such a space that's one of the places you have to take like people who are visiting from out of town you've got to go see the dexter mausoleum because it's you know incredible the one that looks like a tiny gothic cathedral and okay. there's just so many things to see there rad well is someone if you were care if you were recommending to anyone who was a novice on um what, do, what 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 would you call what would you what would you call yourself in general a cemetery enthusiast okay yeah as someone who's a cemetery um who is really ignorant to cemeteries and to cemetery enthusiasm. Like, what would you recommend that you do? A good, something that would be an enjoyable time for somebody to do. An easy way probably would be to just go to whichever one's closest to you and take a walk and get a feel for it and look around and see what you notice. Um, Do you notice that a lot of stones are the same color or from the same time? What kind of names are on them? Are they of a particular, um, a lot of times here, they're very German names, uh, especially if you're in a Catholic cemetery. Um, just observe. There's so many things to see if you look a little closer than just a basic glance through yeah. of when you're walking through. And there are so many resources, especially if you're, I mean, if you're looking for an individual person and is a little different from if you're trying to get an idea of just cemetery history in general. Um, I love there's a book called Stories in Stone. Mm-hmm. It's a cemetery field guide. So it's this long, skinny book, but it has these really beautiful, um, colorful pictures, and it shows all these different symbols or iconography and explains what they mean. And it picks up things from fruits and vegetables to animals. And I, I sometimes want to get a copy of that book and go through and check off all the ones I've seen. Yeah, I got really excited when I saw some corn in a cemetery on a headstone <laughs> once because I remember being like, oh, my gosh, that was in Stories in Stone. I've seen a, s- some corn now. Hooray. What does corn mean? Um, I probably indicate that they were farmer yeah. or s- something like that. Yeah. Okay, so what 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 do we need to know? Like, what do I need to know about about what what you do? Like cemeteries and headstones and genealogy. You know what I mean? Like, what does the layman need to know? Someone who is um, apprehensive about the um, about your like favorite things. Um. Well. Enjoy them for maybe more than don't think about the dead people. <laughs> yeah, but, but but I mean like it's okay. Right, like, it's totally it's fine. All okay, you can walk on cemeteries and you can go to gravestones right. and it's okay and you're not being disrespectful. Exactly. And, and of is... course, different cemeteries have different rules. Yeah. And one one thing we're excited about at Linden Grove is there's an area that's um, 
it's called, going to be called the Linden Green, where we can hold um, the events we've been doing, yeah. and there aren't burials there. So it, that's extra nice to know that there are spaces in certain places. If if you're feeling a little apprehensive, don't feel bad. You can go to a spot where you know no one is if you're aware of it, yeah. and there that's where you can do your yoga or have your picnic. Yeah. So, but yeah, don't be afraid of them. There's nothing scary. That's awesome. And there's definitely nothing scary about you. You should be the spokesperson for all of this stuff. Like, raise awareness, you know? Thank you. Kara Tucker, thank you so much. Where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram. And what is your Instagram handle? It's my first name. It's at K-A-I-R-A. Thanks, right. Mom, for the fun spelling. Yeah. <laughs> your mom did a really good job. 